Welcome. My name is Joe, and this is The Joe Martino Show. Do me a favor. Wherever you're at, I want you to just raise your right hand. If you can't raise it high, just bend at the wrist, wiggle the fingers, and put it down. Go ahead, do it. Come on now. Raise it up there. Awesome. If you're someplace where you can raise your hand all the way above your head, do it. Reach up and stretch. Oh, I just felt my back crack. Awesome. Thank you so much for doing that. You are illustrating what we're going to talk about today, which is a broader lens to understand the experiences that we have in life and how we might apply that lens to affect change in both our lives and the people around us. Let's kick it off. This is The Joe Martino Show. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan, specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. All right, welcome back. Uh, there are a lot of things that I want to talk about again this week. Uh, I feel like right now there's there's so many different things that we could talk about, and I always want to be mindful of time. I want to talk about forgiveness. What does it mean? It's a, it's a topic that's coming up more and more and more. Uh, I, I think we need to talk about forgiveness as a society. It's always interesting me. I was talking to somebody this week who was very, very angry over a celebrity who had done some atrocious things but had served time getting a good job and and not a job in the field that they wanted to be in, but it was a good job. And and they were mad that, that they had gotten a good job. And I was like, well, what do you want from him? Should he never get another good job again? Should he never be able to utilize his talents again? And, and essentially the person's argument was, no, he shouldn't. And I said, well, then what does forgiveness mean? What does reconciliation mean? And a lot of times we, 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 we tend to, we conflate the two of those. We mix the two of them up. We think that, that they are the same thing and they're not. Uh, and, and so I'd love to talk about that. I want to talk about getting stuck and unstuck. I, I'm talking to a lot of people uh, who feel stuck with covid with the lockdowns, I was talking to a guy, just randomly ran into him. Obviously, in a time of COVID, we kept our six feet, so we didn't really run into each other, but we sort of did. I was paying for a meter parking uh, spot, and, and because certainly the city still wants to extort their money from me. And uh, I was paying for that, and he was in line, and he thought he knew me, and I was like, no, I don't think I know you, and we got to talking. And, and he was, he found out I was a counselor and he says, Hey, I have a question, which is always, Hey, can you get a free session in real quick here? Which is kind of funny. Um, and, and so he said, what do you tell people who feel stuck? Uh, I started a business literally six months before COVID hit those six months we were rocking and rolling. And then it's all kind of falling apart during COVID and I feel stuck. What would you tell me? And I said, what I would tell you is to make an appointment or to listen to my podcast, because that sounds like a fun podcast topic. Or we might look at what do we do when two people who are married find themselves attracted to people they're not married to, i.e. each other. Uh, That is coming up a lot in my practice, and people I'm talking to, emails I'm getting. So there's a lot to talk about here. What we're actually going to talk about today is trying to understand how do we make meaning in what we're looking at and what we're experiencing. So I have been working with, I'm working on a, on a book, uh, the book that never ends. It goes on and on, my friends. Some fool started typing it, not knowing where it went. And, and 
I was drawing out something when I was like, oh, wow, this would be helpful for clients. So I've been using it in different formats for clients. I would say, I don't know, for the last six weeks. And I'm ready to put it into the book, I think. And I'm also ready to put it out to you via the podcast. And, and so as I look at it, here, here's what I want us to do. I want us to try to find a way to take a moment uh, and... And, and, and step back, if you will, to better understand how we interact with other people, how we interact with ourselves. Uh, what's the conversation going on in your own head? Uh, that can be a very difficult conversation to have with yourself, which sounds like, okay, wait, Joe, what are you talking about here? Wait, most people are constantly talking to themselves about what's going on. We've talked about this, the story in your head and those types of things. Uh, and, and, and so... As we run through these issues, one of the things to consider is what does it mean to back out and look at how we're handling it? So I, I know, I, I don't know this but I, for sure, but based on a lot of the email I get, a lot of the feedback I get, uh, a lot of people listen to this while they're driving, which is one of my intents, or while they're cleaning or, or cooking, doing things with their hands. And so I'm hoping that you have time to draw this out. If you don't, that's fine, because uh, I'm going to try to draw you a word picture. I want you to picture three columns. These three columns are going to be uh, right next to each other. The first column is going to be labeled antecedent. The middle column is going to be labeled behavior. And the last column is going to be labeled consequence. Antecedent is what comes before the behavior. That's why it's the first column. Behavior is the middle column that comes after the antecedent, but before the consequence. And as we, as we look at this uh, process, if I said to you, please raise your right hand, when you raise your right hand, that is the behavior. If I said to you, I'll give you a homemade chocolate chip oatmeal cookie if you raise your right hand and smack your belly seven times with your left hand, if you raised your right hand and smacked your belly seven times with your left hand and I gave you the cookie, me asking you to do it is the antecedent. You doing it is the behavior. And the consequence, which is the third column, is you getting the cookie. And this is like psychology basics. I, I used to work at a mental hospital and we would teach uh, safety management. I was a, a safety management trainer and, and we, a lot of that course was spent on de-escalation. And one of the things that we spent a lot of time on was antecedent behavior consequence. What happened, what happened before it, and what came out of it. And, and it dawned on me that this is a very important question to ask in regards to how we interact both with ourselves and with other people. One of the questions to ask ourselves, one of the questions to ask ourselves about how we interact with other people is what was the antecedent that was going on? So what below the antecedent, I want you to write the two words, expectations and assumptions. And these are going to be familiar words with anybody who hangs out with me for any amount of time. These are familiar words, expectations and assumptions. Those are the antecedents. They have to come by definition. They come before any behavior that we go through or that we experience with anyone expectations, 
and assumptions. And so those go in the antecedent column. And then in the behavior column, I like the word event for this process. I like the word event uh, for a lot of reasons. One, event is something that you experience. So if someone is screaming at you, while their behavior is them screaming at you, that's the event that you experience. So you could write event or you could write experience there. As long as it's an action verb that implies movement, I'm all for it. What, what, what happened? In the past, we've talked about what happens and, or what happened. What did your brain tell you about what happened? How did you make meaning out of it? This is that a little bit deeper. Because when we get to consequences, emotions and feelings go in that column. So you should have three columns at the top of those columns. Column one should have antecedent. Middle column should have behavior. Third column should have consequence. And then underneath antecedent would be expectations and assumptions. And so we're going to talk about that for a few minutes. Uh, we're actually going to bring in an email that someone sent me. And then we're going to talk about it. Uh, and then we're going to talk about event or experience, the behavior, well, that's the middle column. And then we're going to talk about the feelings and emotions and the consequences because many times what people focus on is the behavior and the consequence. They rarely think about the antecedent and real opportunity for growth and change and deeper understanding happens by trying to understand the antecedent. And so here, here's what kind of kicked this off for me. I was thinking about one time being upset with my kids and I asked myself, well, what do I expect in this situation? What, why am I upset? Anytime I have a strong emotion, anytime I have a strong reactive feeling to people, I, I want to ask myself, what did I expect? Recently, I was deleted uh, because, I guess because I don't support Trump enough. I was also deleted on the same day because I support Trump, which is funny because neither person actually asked me if I support Trump, but they both let me know that I was doing it wrong. And so one of the questions that I then have is, well, what's my expectation? I was over at a friend's house this weekend. We were talking about someone who's very angry at him and, and his coworkers because they didn't do something correct in regards to politics. Wrote them a very nasty letter before she left his organization. And I guess I shouldn't say nasty. He didn't use the word nasty, but he tends to like make everything nicer than I do. So I don't know if nasty would fit or not. But, but well, no, my questions is, okay, I wonder what that person expected to happen. In other words, when, when I am experiencing a deep emotion, when I am angry, when I'm excited, whatever the strong emotion is, I want to step back from it and ask myself, what was the expected thing? What was the expected behavior? What, what did I assume was going to happen? And then this works another way. You think about people who want to pitch ideas to other people. And I see this all the time with people who have business ideas. They have an idea that they think might have something. And, and many times, many, many, many times, they're afraid to do the hard work. Sometimes they're willing to do the hard work, but they're in their mind, they expect or assume it will fail. So the first time that they hit resistance, they stop. So in their mind, they have this expectation, assumption that they're going to fail. That's the antecedent. They do the behavior, which is they start the idea. They experience failure. And so then they withdraw. That's the consequence. And you can see even by that explanation, 
This is not a clean line experience. Antecedent behavior consequence happens, they stack on top of each other. Boom, 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 boom. Sorry, for a minute there, my ADHD went away with me and I was thinking about being a hip hop artist. Uh, that was a joke. But as they embrace this movement of change, if their assumption is that it's going to fail, when they experience something that is hard, they tend to quit. For instance, I used to work in a business that required cold calls. I hated cold calls. I'm not good at it. I don't like it. It feels awkward. And invariably, whenever I would call somebody, if they didn't answer, I just probably wouldn't call them back. And then one day a guy I was talking to, he's like, yeah, that's the 13th or 14th time that I've called them. And I'm like, holy cow, don't you feel weird doing that? He's like, no, I just assume, notice his language. This was his language. I just assume that they're busy. I know I'm busy and getting a hold of me if you're trying to sell me something can be hard. So I just assume that they're busy and that I need to reach back out when I can. And so I make it a point to make time to do it. He assumes that they're busy. So when the behavior, the event becomes them not answering, the consequence is he chalks it off as, well, they're busy. This is important because I want you to look at that third column and understand it creates new expectations for us. It creates the lens that we create new expectations from. So the antecedent box, the first column, I typically draw this on a whiteboard when I'm doing it with clients, as two triangles with a square in the middle. The first triangle, that first column, expectation assumptions, it becomes the lens that we interpret the middle box, the middle square or the middle column, the behavior, the event, the experience through, and how we create meaning. And then we get our feelings and our emotions. And there are some people who be like, well, we, we actually just get our feelings and emotions before we think. Uh, because when we're babies, you know, we cry and we have negative emotions before we can think. That's not actually true. In fact, it's scientifically flawed. We have proof that babies can think. We, as adults, can't understand their thinking. Uh, but they can think. They can process. And uh, one of the ways that they they have limited emotion and, and physio physical and physiological responses. And so we think first. We experience feelings and behavior second. And so what happens is, is this becomes a looping event. So let's say that you're, you and your spouse uh, have a regular argument over what a clean kitchen means. One of you says, yep, I'll do the kitchen. You go clean it. And then your spouse comes behind you and cleans it behind you. At some point, that consequence of my spouse is going to clean the kitchen behind me becomes an expectation. And then you filter the event through it. So if your spouse walks through and they just pick up something that had just fluttered to the floor and throw it away, you are more likely to experience negative emotions if in that expectations assumptions box, you saw them coming behind you and cleaning up behind you as a negative experience. This is why it's so important with our children that we provide legitimate feedback, right? And, and if, if you're constantly negative, if everything they do, behavior event, gets criticized, it's never good enough, eventually that becomes their expectation. That becomes their assumption. But if everything we do is, is also a false praise, is also a praise devoid of effort, is a, is, you know, congratulations devoid of real effort, and they never experience loss, 
then that consequence of always getting praise, of always being told how great they are, becomes an expectation. Both are detrimental to their health, to their overall health. I was literally just talking to a parent just yesterday about their high school-aged daughter. And essentially, both parents agreed that they do everything for her, and they're simultaneously frustrated that she isn't doing anything. And I said, okay, well, what do you expect? And they said, well, we expect her to, to do kind of do some of her own things, to fill out her own college application, to fill out her own FAFSA. And I said, why do you expect that? So I drew this out for them. I said, okay, here's your stated expectation. Here is your stated assumption. Let me ask you a question. Why do you have that expectation and assumption? Because to be honest with you, based on what you're telling me about how you have handled life with this child, I don't share that expectation. I actually have the expectation that she will do exactly what she's doing, which is just wait you out. One of my children many years ago told me that I was more bark than bite. And I was like, I am not. And she laughed and said, yes, you are. What happened was I would give an antecedent. If you do this, they would do it and then I wouldn't follow through. And so I had to either, I had to do something to change. Now, here's the thing. People often think their only option to change is to change the behavior box, which is sort of true, but not exactly true. Because what I actually changed was, is I stopped the bark. I just made a commitment to myself. Whatever the bark is, it has to be something that I'm willing to follow through on. So it's better to stop bark in the emotional state. And so one of the things that I put in play was, what is it that causes is causing me to react this way. Now, if you know me, you know I hate the phrase it makes me or it causes me. This is the one exception that I make. Our expectations will almost always interact with our behaviors like a base with an acid. You are not going to stop that reaction. And so what is it that I was expecting that I'm not getting that is creating in me this chemical reaction of intensity? Because that's where real power of change is. Even down to, uh, one of the ways that I like, even down to disagreements with other people. One of the ways that I like to illustrate this with people is I believe in co-sleeping. I've not hid that. I've never hid that. Uh, I'm very pro co-sleeping and I'm very anti-spanking. So I'm, I'm, I'm pro co-sleeping and I'm anti-spanking. And I live in a relatively conservative evangelical world. And a lot of people are anti, in that world, are anti-co-sleeping and pro-spanking. And they get upset with me because they feel like I am attacking their parenting method, method when I say that. E- even though they don't feel the reverse is true when they're saying that they think co-sleeping is dangerous and they can't believe that I'm risking my child's life. Literally had someone tell me that one time. And, and so one of the things that I, I've come to the realization of is we both want the same thing. We want our kids, most of the time, almost everybody I meet with, or interact with who is uh, adamantly against co-sleeping and vehemently for spanking. They want the same thing I do, which is they want to raise healthy adults. They want to do what's best for their kids. And if I can start there in the antecedent column, in the behavior, when I get to the behavior column, which is our disagreement, it gives me more energy to, to make sure that I'm working to, to have the best possible conversation that I can have. 
And so there are people that do all sorts of things. And, and this is one of the things that I think is wrong with cancel culture. It's very interesting to me. Many, many of my friends who are conservative, anti-cancel culture are now telling me I shouldn't drink Coke because of the, the flap that they had with that training uh, recently. And, and I'm, 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 I'm curious about that. I'm always like, well, wait, I thought you said that cancel culture was bad. So help me understand what the different expectation is here for cancel culture. I'm not saying one way or another anything about Coca-Cola or their training. I, I want to understand how my friends come to their conclusions. But I have to focus on what led them into the conclusion. That's how they get there. And so when, when someone says to me, well, I can't believe you'd co-sleep, instead of being offended by that, I've learned to interpret that as they probably want the same thing I want for my kids. They want my kids to be healthy. And they're afraid that by co-sleeping with my kids, they're not going to be healthy. That makes sense. However, I'm not interested uh, in arguing that point with them often because my experience, my experience has led me to consequences that there's a small group of people that I can have that conversation with. I asked somebody recently, who'd you vote for? And he told me, uh, and he said, I don't ever tell anybody that. And I said, why not? He said, because I live in a world where if I tell people, half of them are going to stop seeing me, period. Or, and it doesn't matter who I vote for. So I just don't talk to people about my voting life. That's one of the things that has happened when we fail to see behaviors in the context of antecedent, then we tend to engage in cancel culture type behavior. And we will cut out friends. Like we might have a friend we agree with on 80% of things, but 20% of things we don't and we cut them out. Uh, that to me is silly. Now here's the thing. There are people who are like, wait a second, Joe, You've said before, be very intentional with your friends. And I stand by that. That's an antecedent assumption expectation. And so the assumption expectation that I have for that is if they're toxic, they're not in my life. Another assumption expectation I have is that I only have so much time to invest in people. So I am constantly checking how much I invest. Just like I only have so much money to invest in retirement. If I invest my entire paycheck in retirement, we're not eating this these next two weeks. And so having something that's going to help me 20 years from now isn't good if I don't eat these next two weeks. And so there has to be a balance there. All of this comes out of an email, this particular episode. I was going to do a completely different topic. Uh, all of this comes out of an episode where someone wrote in about parenting and I made the statement about how anytime I'm mad at my kids, I want to step back and look at my own expectations. And essentially the emailer asked me, well, how do I change my kids' expectations? And I said, actually, that's the wrong place to start. We do want to get there. And as, as if you, you know, earlier when we were talking, or when I was talking, I talked about how if you're constantly giving them the consequences, eventually that becomes their expectation. Where you actually want to start is with yourself. How do you change your own expectations? How do you change your own assumptions? What is it that you expected and assumed? So one of the things that I have come to expect over the years is that my wife and I will have more miscommunications than communications. We will have more verbal interactions that have the potential to go rogue than we don't. And this is helpful because then when we do have an interaction that goes rogue, I can step back from it and be like, that's okay. I, I, I figured that was coming and I can now correct it because my second half of that assumption expectation is it's okay that we have miscommunications as long as we stay in the process of trying to communicate well. 
And this is the power of this tool. If someone hurts you, you can step back and ask, what was, what was the context? We've talked about putting it in the context of their life, but what was the context of their expectations and assumptions that led them to do what they did that hurt me? What was the context of expectations and assumptions that led them to say that, assuming that they weren't intentionally trying to hurt me? Or if they were, why did they feel that safety was so important that they would say something intentionally hurtful? And what we're doing is we're asking ourselves, what do we expect and what do we assume? So you think about this, if you're an adult with an adult parent, well, if you're an adult, your parent's an adult, right? Uh, who has a lifetime of, of poor behavior and, and they have, a lot of times those parents will have this, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They'll have this pattern of kind of blowing back into their kid's life and then blowing it up. And so one of the things that I'll often talk to, to, the, to the adult child about is, you have to set boundaries. Boundaries are an expectation assumption. They're an antecedent. And so this is a powerful tool to pull your lens back and ask yourself, what boundaries did I have in place? What boundaries did I not have in place that maybe I need to put in place for the future? What could I do differently in the antecedent column next time than I did this time? How do I help shape the future of my life by setting appropriate expectations and assumptions in that antecedent box. And this is a good conversation with yourself. How do you talk to yourself? What? Because that's an antecedent. You will talk to yourself before you do almost everything in life. This is a powerful tool that allows you to understand what the other person's hoping for. Let's say you're in a conflict with someone else and you're not really sure what's going on. You know something's wrong, but you're not sure what. And, and you know, like they agree with you, something's wrong, like you know they're upset, they're, there's negative emotions, that's their consequences. You, you and they seem to have experienced the middle column differently, the event, the behavior. So you can ask them, what would this look like if I had done it the right way for you? Or how would, could this have gone so that you didn't feel what you're feeling right now? And whatever their answer is, it's at the very worst, it's a glimpse into their expectations and assumptions. So when a, if I'm doing a training with teachers and they're upset that their students don't hand in homework, I'll be like, well, do you expect all of your students to hand in all of their homework all of the time? If a husband and wife are having a moment, in fact, I was just having a conversation with someone the other day and they're talking about their two-year-old doing age-appropriate things and they use the word naughty for his behaviors. And I was like, so that would be my only hangup. I don't think you should use the word naughty for age-appropriate behaviors. My expectation and assumption is that a two-year-old is going to do what a two-year-old does. You can correct it, but you don't need to call it naughty because if it's, if it's age-appropriate, it's not naughty. Naughty, in my opinion, implies a t- intent. But the minute I say in my opinion, I've now brought in my antecedent column. Those are my expectations and assumptions. So I assume that I have to, I'll have to ask my kids more than once to do their chores, as often as not for most of their teenage years. My expectation is that we'll get better as they age. I assume that my wife and I will have arguments. My expectation is that we will be able to have the majority of those arguments without leaving wounds. I assume that I'm not always gonna wanna hang out with my friends. My expectation is that they're not always gonna wanna hang out with me. I assume there's gonna be things that I read on Facebook that I disagree with. My assumption is I can just scroll on. I assume that not everything uh, I hear in the circles that I run in will I agree with. My expectation is that's okay. But 
when I have a reaction that doesn't match those stated assumptions, I have to step back and ask myself why. If I assume that my eight-year-old's going to be an eight-year-old and he's going to occasionally do eight-year-old things where he's just... Why am I getting mad? It's probably an indicator that I have an opportunity to get healthy. If someone else is getting mad and I don't understand why and I can say to them, tell me your expectations, I'm gaining insight into what it is that they were hoping would happen. And then I'm able to say, I think I can deliver that or I can't. And so this is a powerful tool to step back and look around the event that you're going through and understand it from expectations and consequences. Because eventually your consequences that you get on repeat, your steady diet of consequences will become your expectations. How often have politicians flip-flopped on things? Enough that by and large, almost everyone who is above the age of 20 expects that the politician, whatever they're saying is a lie. Now there's a little bit of, I, uh, I, what do they call that? Identity politics that runs. So if you identify as a Democrat, you tend to give your Democrat candidates a, a bit more leeway there. And if you identify as a Republican, you tend to give your Republican candidates a bit more leeway there. But there is, by and large, a long history of politicians lying. That's the consequences. To the point now where it becomes an expectation. And so these are some opening thoughts. I could talk about this probably for three hours. Which means it's, which, so here's an assumption of mine. If I can talk about this for three hours, it probably isn't as refined as it should be. A person that I used to listen to regularly do speaking would say that you know you're doing good, you have good content when you look down at the things you've clipped out of it and they're good content. That's that refining process. So how about you? What's going on in your life that you are having strong reactions to? And what are the expectations that you took to that event? What was your antecedent? What were you hoping you would get in the consequent box? And what did you get in the consequent box? And then look at the people around you. One of the things that that is considered a maxim in, in business is you train people how to treat you. And so if you are a leader that, you know, everything's a discussion, then your people will have a discussion. If you're a leader that, you know, there doesn't, we don't need passion, then there won't be much passion. I worked at a place where being late wasn't really that big a deal. Surprisingly, people were late regularly. I worked at another place, very similar industry, where if you were late more than twice, you were fired. No questions asked. It didn't matter who you were. Surprisingly, and by the way, both of those surprisingly are sarcasm. Surprisingly, very few people were late because the expectations were clearly set and the consequences followed. All right, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please share it with your friends. Uh, Let me know your thoughts. Send me an email, joe at joemartino.com. Look forward to hearing from you. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. And hey, give us that rating in your podcast store. Until next time, change possible.